1: So we're doing some research in our labs in the domain of medical security. So that is, you know, security of networks here and devices, and that you find hospitals and other healthcare institutions.
0: That's Israel Mersky. He's a cybersecurity researcher and project manager at Ben Gurion University. The research we're discussing today is titled CTGAN: Malicious Tampering of 3D Medical Imagery
1: Using Deep Learning. At the outset of this research, we took a look at the possible attack vectors and enumerated all the different kinds of attacks and motivations that attacker would have on uh, attacking healthcare. And one of the uh, subjects that we identified was altering medical scans. So that's the first one, or not one of the first ones, but uh, it was one of the ones that we looked into.
0: So you decide that this is an area that you're going to look
1: into. Where do you begin? Well, the very first step was to understand uh, what you know a doctor would look at, and we had several different use cases of what uh, kind of medical scans that we'd like to target and identify if it were possible to alter, just as a, an initial use case to see if it's possible to you know, put, do this tack on other kinds of medical scans. So the first one that uh, uh, I took a look at was uh, lung cancer, and uh, the typical way of analyzing and diagnosing lung cancer is through CT scans.
0: And so, did you begin by looking at existing CT scans? I understand you did some machine learning training with uh, existing images, is that correct?
1: Yes, that's correct. So, basically, I mean, I, I think that uh, what I'll do is i give a little bit of background and then, then I'll jump right into the, the threat. So, basically, uh, MRIs and CT scanners are used throughout the you know, healthcare industry for diagnosing many different kinds of uh, medical conditions. So, for example, MRIs are used to diagnose uh, issues with bone, joint, ligament, cartilage, and herniated discs, and these kinds of problems, where CT scans are used to diagnose cancer, heart disease, and so on and so forth. These systems are connected to uh, networks called uh, PACs, which are basically regular Ethernet networks. PACs stands for Picture Archive Communication Systems. And just like any other Ethernet network or any other computerized network, they're all vulnerable to attacks. And uh, as part of our research, actually, we took a look at different hospitals in our country. And we also spoke to different experts from the United States as well who are dealing with these systems. And we found that they all have uh, similar vulnerabilities. As in most cases, they're separated from the internet. So an attacker can't necessarily directly connect to it from the internet. But, you know, much to our surprise, the quick uh, Shodan.io uh, search, you can find about 2000 medical imaging uh, servers and like 900 pack servers all exposed to the internet so not every single institution is very good at uh, blocking your know, you know, medical devices from being exposed but even if they weren't exposed you could still get in through multiple steps through the network yeah and, you know there's several different cases of that also as well and in in, just in 2018 you find tens of maybe i you know, think uh, like over 70 cases of where Uh, Medical records were stolen from hospitals and ransomware was installed in hospitals. And once the attacker can get inside the hospital, it's only, you know, a few more steps away to getting into the PAX network itself. So that's the background. So what's the threat? So the threat is if the attacker can actually get access to medical scans or intercept medical scans then he can manipulate them. So we're all familiar with something referred to as deep fakes. And what deep fakes are is the use of deep learning to alter uh, the content of images to trick a human to believing some false evidence. The most popular, I should say, uh, deepfake around on the internet now is, you know, putting somebody else's face onto another person's body. So for example, there's a very famous video of Obama giving a speech when it's not actually Obama. And uh, what we were also trying to show in this research is that deepfakes don't just apply to people's faces. Actually, this threat also applies to the medical community where an attacker can actually, you know, implant false evidence for example a tumor growing in the person's body or remove evidence right, remove the tumor uh, in order to get some sort of game uh, i'll give you some examples of why an attacker would want to do this there's several different reasons so for example consider a individual or a state adversary that wants to affect some outcome of an election so what he could do is he could uh, add cancer to a CT scan performed on the political candidate or remove it even to harm it, which is a lot more severe of a scenario if you think about it. There's ways of getting the, you know, the candidate or target individuals to come to the CT scanner, but I won't get into that right now. Uh, another example is uh, maybe of ransomware. So an attacker seeks out monetary gain by holding the integrity of a medical imagery hostage. And in this case, the attacker achieves this by just altering a few scans and then demanding payment to reveal which scans have been affected. So the hospital won't really know, you know, which scans are, are been manipulated or not. So he doesn't need access to all the scans. He's just intercept one scan, manipulate that, prove that he's manipulated it. And now he can leverage uh, payment. A more or less malicious case is the case of insurance fraud. So somebody can uh, get into a, a car accident, you know, a very light car accident. And then intentionally alter his own medical records to receive uh, money from insurance company. So one case could be, for example, he could add a small fracture or uh, a, a very small hemorrhage in his brain to the scan. Something that's very hard to to refute. And he can say, this is why you know this is why I can't sleep at night, or this is why you know I, I I'm numb down you know down below. And uh, that's that. And then he can get uh, insurance money from that. But there's many other reasons, and you know you get, the list goes on and on. And there's you could think of far more scarier reasons, such as assassination or even murder, and especially uh, the threat of cyber terrorism.
0: You actually put some of these fakes in front of some doctors, and you were able to fool them
1: pretty reliably. That's right. So the process that we did actually, so we we looked at the same process that is used to generate deep fakes, uh, which is the use of GANs, generative adversarial networks. And uh, we also took a look at the state-of-the-art techniques for detecting lung cancer. So we looked at some of the recent papers that are published on how these deep learning algorithms go through CT scans and detect cancer. And we combined both techniques to show how an attacker can actually perform the malicious side of that. So once we've got that all working, we kind of developed this framework which is called CTGAN, uh, which can uh, inject or remove cancer or other medical conditions from, uh, from 3D medical imagery. We needed to verify that what it's generating is realistic enough, right? So, if I just tamper some image and put in some blob, you know, the, it could raise suspicion if it doesn't look realistic. And then, you know, the radiologist will speak to the technician and will find out very quickly that there's something uh, afoot here. Hmm. So, what we did was we hired three radiologists, and the radiologists were given in a blind test. I mean, we didn't tell them that uh, this was part of any cybersecurity research or anything like that, they thought it was just a medical test. And we gave them 70 scans to look at where the 70 scans were a mix of uh, actual uh, scans, having cancer or not having cancer, and tampered scans with, with our CT scan framework, which had either fake injected cancer or real cancer removed from the lungs. In this blind test, we found that when it comes to injecting cancer, 99% of the time, the radiologists thought it was true cancer. And for removing cancer, 94% of the time, The radiologists uh, did not detect the cancer and gave the patient a clean bill of health. (laughs) And then that proceeded to the next stage where we said, okay, what happens if we educate the radiologists and we tell them about this attack? Do they stand a chance at finding anything malicious here? At least for one case, uh, one of the radiologists, he improved his scores uh, much better, but it still uh, was not able to accurately differentiate between uh, a tampered scan and a regional scan. So even in that case, for all the radiologists together, uh, we found that when it comes to trying to figure out if uh, cancer, whether it be real cancer or fake cancer, the radiologists had about sixty-one percent accuracy. And uh, from an actual clean body and a, uh, like a healthy body versus a tampered image that also looks like it's a healthy body, even worse, uh, just thirty-nine percent accuracy. And we took this one step further. So we said, if we can trick the radiologists, the so humans, what about you know the whole aspect of Adversarial machine learning, which is the concept of, uh, of being able to attack machine learning algorithms. And uh, so, what we did is we downloaded a state of the art AI, deep learning AI, for forming lung cancer screening that won the uh, 2018, I think 2018 and 2017 Kaggle competition, $1 million competition. And we used the exact same model that they trained, and we showed that pretty much 100% of the time we can fool this model and make it think that there is cancer or that there isn't cancer. Wow.
0: So it's not just the human element that you're
1: capable of fooling here. Yes, that's correct. And that's a concern because uh, a lot of radiologists actually use, well, not a lot of, I don't know about exactly the exact numbers, but I do know there are hospitals and uh, uh, clinics which use uh, advanced AI tools, which help them analyze the scans to help them uh, annotate the scan and d- detect where potential cancer may be. So if uh, a radiologist relies on these tools, then we can fool these tools. That means that the attacker has a chance of succeeding now
0: what's going on behind the scenes here within these networks that it makes them open
1: to these sorts of attacks so in our research we identified many different attack vectors there's so many ways that an attacker can get into a network and, and we also showed by the way how this malware could be completely autonomous so the attacker doesn't even need to be present or connected to the bot able to cause the manipulation it just you know, can search for the patient's id or patient's name and then completely you know autonomously manipulate the scan so it could be that the attacker is able to infect the dicom viewer dicom is the format uh, for 3d medical scan so he infected the radiologist viewing application and then in real time can alter the image It could be that you know the attacker uh, came in physically onto premises and able to install a man middle device or you know connect to one of the the computers and install his malware there or he could uh, you know he can connect to the hospital's wi-fi and try and propagate through the the internal network or infiltrate the network from the internet and uh, in all these different cases the attacker is essentially trying to plant his malware somewhere between the entire diagnosis process so where the CT scanner makes a scan and then it's uploaded to a storage server and then from there, where it's sent to the uh, radiologist to perform the diagnosis. So anywhere along that pipeline, the attacker wants to plant his malware to perform its attack. Now the reason why it's so successful, there's, this is a very loaded question. General healthcare is kind of behind when it comes to cybersecurity, at least behind in many, right, with respect to other industries. And uh, there are several reasons for that. I don't remember the exact year when uh, it became policy uh, and legislation for HIPAA, which H-I-P-P-A, which uh, requires hospitals to protect information in terms of security. And uh, this is, you know, coming more and more into play as hospitals trying to secure their systems. But for the most part, you know, medical staff is more likely that they're focused on saving lives and being HIPAA compliant, meaning they're going to make sure the data doesn't go outside the hospital. It's only going to be shared with people that should be shared with. But when it comes to the internal network itself, you know, that uh, attackers shouldn't have access to or anybody shouldn't have access to in the first place, right? It's supposed to be somewhat air gapped. You know, you can tell that they can be kind of lenient in that regard. And their mm. their focus is elsewhere. It's on the threats uh, coming from the internet, for example. Right. So that's one reason why uh, there kind of there are so many vulnerabilities. But there's another reason is because a lot of medical systems are kind of outdated, obsolete systems are there for either a backup or compatibility reasons. And for that reason, now you have lots of different components, old scanners, databases, and, and you know services that are all connected inside the hospital, uh, which are have plenty of vulnerabilities, or may not even be uh, you know up-kept anymore.
0: And there's a general lack of of use of encryption throughout?
1: Yeah. So actually to show that this entire attack vector is a serious threat, not just the fact that we can change the imagery, but an attacker can manipulate the imagery and get his hands on the imagery, we actually performed a a covert penetration test on a hospital. Part of this uh, pen test, we got permission from the hospital. And uh, what I did actually is I went in uh, during the night and I waited for the uh, cleaning staff to open the doors and uh, I went in and the clean staff didn't mind. I was there. They didn't ask any questions. I, I even saw plenty of doctors going by and they just didn't ask any questions and uh, I just walked around like I belonged there and I found the CT scanner and I was able to install a, a small Raspberry Pi between the CT scanner and the rest of the PAX network. So that i can intercept all the traffic and uh, i also can have a backdoor if i wanted to into the network and uh with this little device i was really trying to figure out what kind of, how the traffic is being sent over the network If it's being encrypted or not if it's being encrypted properly can i maybe capture some uh, doctor's credentials uh, and actually after like something like three minutes i got uh, the credentials for like 27 different doctors and medical staff members on site but wow. aside from that actually i found that the the scans were being sent over the network unencrypted, and uh, apparently this is something that happens in most hospitals uh, around the world. And uh, I spoke to uh, engineers from uh, uh, Mayo Clinic, and uh, I spoke to the same software providers for this hospital, which serves about two thousand over two thousand installations worldwide to hospitals worldwide. And one of the main reasons for this is uh, again the the issue of compatibility. So you have One system in there, for example, the storage system or the information system that tracks all the appointments and it can only, you know, handle one particular version and there's a problem with compatibility. So they decide to not put encryption anyways, because, again, supposedly attackers don't have access to the internal network, so they're not concerned with that. Hmm. And yet, obviously,
0: your work there being able to come in and attach something to the network so easily
1: points to the fact that that's inadequate. That's correct, and uh, I think that uh, hospitals should put a little more emphasis into their, uh, you know, security hygiene internally as well, because uh, it's not good enough just to focus on the external security, the the outer boundary of, let's say, where they, how the hospital is connected to the internet. Because you're always going to have some hole somewhere, even if you know, especially the most classic case, for example, of, uh, clicking on a link and downloading something from an email. Right. So the moment somebody, an attacker, gets in. It's just a free for all, so you have to make sure that you're the security inside the network is also uh, just as secure as the security outside the network.
0: Yeah, and it strikes me too that uh, you know a hospital is an environment where you have lots of people coming and going, new people coming and going all the time, and so it's hard to separate a lot of that equipment physically from that parade of people coming by.
1: Yeah, well, actually, they do a pretty good job about that. I mean, it's not like you have like network cables hanging from the ceiling, or you know, anybody can plug into the wall or anything like that. There's the areas where personnel should only be, and areas where patients can be, and you know, family members can be. And they do a pretty good job of you know separating the physical infrastructure. But uh, when it comes to somebody who just walks in there, especially if he's dressed, you know, to play the role. The mummy's in, then. Then at that point, it doesn't matter anymore. Or again, there are hospitals that's just simply their even their external security, their their Wi-Fi networks for internal use are just not secured well enough, and uh, even somebody from you know from proximity can connect into the internal network. What's the reaction been so far to this research? Has it been a
0: bit of a wake-up call for some people?
1: It has actually. Uh, I've been in contact uh, with uh, somebody from the FDA who's in charge of uh, trying to ensure the hospitals are securing their medical devices and systems better, and uh, I'm cooperating with them to help them uh, out in this regard. A lot of different hospitals are also, uh, I think, getting a little bit more realization uh, about the threat. I mean, I think just recently in uh, the RSA 2019 conference, there was uh, some researchers who showed that the moment an attacker is inside the hospital network, he has, you know, full reign over everything. He can, you know, connect to uh, ultrasound scanners and uh, change parameters, and it's a very serious issue. So I think that hospitals are definitely, and the medical healthcare personnel are, are definitely paying attention to this. And I do hope that, especially from the countermeasures that we put in our paper, that they implement some of these and try and secure the systems better. What are some of the countermeasures that you listed in your work? Well, the most basic countermeasure is simply to enable proper encryption. So the moment you have, uh, you know, end-to-end in- uh, encryption across your network, then you've already mitigated you know, the vast majority of man middle attacks that can occur. So, uh, but that doesn't mean just you know, any link within the, within the network. So that's the entire pipeline. So for when the scanner sends the traffic to the storage server, or from when the store server sends the, you know, the data to the radiologist, every single link has to be encrypted and, of course, encrypted properly with proper certificates. And another thing that hospitals can do is most software, packed software, actually give the ability to give a digital signature on the medical scan. So when the CT scanner itself generates a scan, and is about to send it over the network, you can actually sign it, and uh, that can be verified at the endpoint in the radiologist's viewer make sure that nothing has been tampered here, that you're actually looking at an authentic original image. So even if, let's say, for example, a malware uh, or the hacker gets into the storage server, the pack server, and starts uh, manipulating images, he won't be able to fake that signature so the radiologist will know that something has been tampered in that image.
0: Our thanks to Israel Mursky from Ben-Gurion University for joining us. The research is titled CTGAN – Malicious Tampering of 3D Medical Imagery Using Deep Learning. We'll have a link in the show notes. We'll also have a link to a video that demonstrates what they were up to. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data